as a chef, then you find out that you have type one diabetes and you're, you're looking, but how do you now kind of handle all of that handle, you know, the people that are telling you that the food police, you can't have this, you can't have that. You're understanding that the impact of food having on your blood sugar, you're looking at carbs. How do you handle all of that? It's, it's a very good question. You know, um, the, the, it's even, even, you know, coming back to the, to the diet, when I was seeing the nurse and the dietitian, so, you know, the, um, the education is, Hey, you shouldn't be eating hamburgers. You shouldn't be eating French fries. You shouldn't be eating, you know, all of this stuff. But, um, now we know better. I, I definitely think healthy, slow carb, uh, a lot of fiber really helps you slow down the blood sugar and how we can eat. And for sure, for me, I kind of look at myself as a test subject. So when I eat, um, I experiment. Welcome to the Diabetes Goddess podcast, and I'm your host, Barb Wagstaff. This podcast focuses on the fact that you're more than your carb to insulin ratio or your time and range. Your diabetes may vary. And while I've played a doctor in real life for many years, I am not a medical professional, and any opinions expressed on this podcast do not replace medical advice. Please remember to always consult your diabetes team before making any changes to your care. Today's episode is brought to you by Diabetes Advocacy. Diabetes Advocacy offers programs, services, and articles to help people with diabetes understand more about their disease, the treatment options available to them, how to make sense out of their visits with their diabetes team, and how to deal with those days that just don't make sense. Visit www.diabetesadvocacy.com to learn more. Are you ready? You are not going to want to miss a single minute of my conversation with the incredible Siva Swaminathan. Siva is a chef and a person living with type 1 diabetes who is an absolute gem to talk to. And you're not going to want to miss one single minute of our conversation. So let's get started as I welcome Siva to the Diabetes Goddess podcast. Thank you so much, Siva, for joining me. I really, really do appreciate this. Want to start out by just introducing yourself. Tell me a little bit more about you for everyone else to to hear. Um, thank you, Barbara. Um, my name is Siva Swaminathan. The, the last name kind of like rolls out. Um, it's a lot of syllables, but um, it's it's spelled the way it you know. I mean, it sounds the way it's spelled. Um, I'm originally from the southern part of India. Uh, I, um, my parents came to Canada um, in the early 70s to study. My dad did his PhD here in Canada, in, in London, Ontario. And my mom followed him soon after. Uh, so my older sister and I, um, we were with my maternal grandparents in the southern part of India, the, the state called Tamil Nadu. Um, it's, it's normal, you know, in an Indian household when people kind of, you know, go travel work and then they kind of come home. Um, so during this period, I, I lived in India and my grandmother uh, was a huge influence in food. Um, and she was just an incredible, incredible cook. Um, and, and I would assist her because for me, it's just the smell of food and cooking 
um, was really comforting and resonated with me that, you know, the curiosity and, you know, assisting her. Um, she would give me all kinds of tasks. Um, I was, a, a, you know, I was four, you know, and she would give me the, the heavy grinding stone that you make those um, pastes. And, you know, I would, you know, scoop the paste and then I would lift them up. And then she just was floored and she said like you really have these techniques nailed you know because for me I was just watching her so for me it was all sort of like taking it in um you know fast forward I was 10 and then you know I immigrated to Canada with my older sister my parents were not moving back to India and um came to Canada um and uh, my life went in a different route my my dad having three daughters he always wanted uh, one of us to excel in science like he did, you know, science and math. So, you know, I did my undergraduate computer science degree. Um, after Y2K, I really got burnt out. I mean, three summers in a row doing upgrades and, and whatever. And that's, you know, that's when I kind of said, no, I can't do this anymore, you know. Um, so I went to culinary school part time and did my culinary diploma. Um, you know, people were taking, you know, computer magazines home, all my colleagues, and I would be taking, a, you know, Bon Appetit gourmet magazines at home and reading them and doing it. And so a friend said, you know, hey, it's not too late to kind of hone that kind of a, uh, a profession if that's what you really wanted or whatever. So for me, it was no longer a hobby. I wanted to kind of do this. So I did my culinary diploma, um, volunteered with local chefs in Canada. And uh, they gave me an amazing reference and I took it and I um, went to Germany and lived there for two years and I trained to be a chef and I worked for some couple of really high end restaurants there and my connections. Um, and so coming back to Canada, I had a, a catering company. Life was just great. And then all of a sudden, boom, 2005, you know, November 14th, World Diabetes Day. Guess what? Ta-da, you have type one diabetes, you know. Um, it took me uh, about five months to get properly diagnosed as type one because my family doctor um, thought being uh, South Asian Indian that I might be type two. So like a month later, you know, when I was telling him, you know, when he saw my A1C, you know, um, he just said, hey, here's a glucometer go record your number, come and see me, you know, a couple of months goes, I'm recording my numbers. If you're in the Canadian system, you know, we're talking 30, you know, millimoles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. High, high, you know, twenties, you know, thirties. And, and I, and I take the book to him and I say, Hey, here's my number. And, and to me to, to stay, I mean, this is why I, I do a lot of advocacy is it, you know, he just kept thinking, oh, okay, then let's get you on medication. And it was type two medication, you know, and I was taking Glyburide and you know it, it, it just did not do anything for me. It's like, you know, like a drop on a hot stone and um, my blood sugars didn't improve even, you know, even taking type two. And so five months goes on and they make an appointment with an endocrinologist and by this time, I'm finally starting to show symptoms. I didn't have show symptoms, you know, before. And uh, I lost about 35 pounds. I looked incredibly sick. I couldn't even climb to the second floor of my home. I have like three 
you know, three floors. It's an old, old house. And I couldn't even climb up. I would be exhausted, you know, um, all kinds of, you know, you know, the, the symptoms. And finally, you know, when I saw the endocrinologist, I took my husband and my dad with me to the appointment because I felt they might be able to ask more questions. I can take notes because I knew that I couldn't handle it. I wasn't sure what, what was coming. I didn't know anything about diabetes. And there he was, you know, said, hey, you have type one diabetes. He looks at my number, um, writes a prescription and says, you're going to need insulin and to go see these people. See ya. Five minutes. That's it. Oh my God. You know, my first appointment with an endo. Um, and of course I changed that endo because it, 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 and, uh, you know, luckily I found this amazing, amazing woman um, at the Women's College Hospital. If you look at her, she looks like, you know, Margaret Thatcher, you know, accent, everything, the bedside matter. I mean, I had Maggie for endo and she was just furious at my family doctor and the endo and saying, I usually give the patients the first, first time they diagnose minimum hour and a half, explaining them about the disease and rolling them into you know, diabetes education. So all of these is being recorded in my head and I'm going like, holy crap. You know, the, the ordeal I went through, you know, my mom was bawling her eyes out every day and, and more I know about the disease now, I'm going like, you know, you can just imagine your blood sugar, you know, 30 plus running in your bloodstream for like months and months, you know, it's like maple syrup, um, you know, and not having any kind of an intervention, medical intervention. Um, so this is when I connected with um, Canadian Diabetes Association, now called you know Diabetes Canada. Right away, I got connected with them because not only I wanted to know about my disease, but also how I can meet people with sort of similar to what I was going through and so on and so forth. And you know, within months, I was. Uh, I joined a, a community that was doing uh, what we call a North York chapter. They do all these chapter work. Um, I was connected with people um, sort of, you know, walking the walk of my life, you know, a lot of type one, a lot of type two, but I'm starting to learn. So for a lot of the education that I know is all from peer support. You know, of course, um, in Toronto, we, you know, we have an amazing, amazing diabetes education centers and all the hospitals connecting with, uh, you know, um, nurses and that education that you go through. Um, but I tell you, Barbara, um, my, my experience is something that always stays with me. And I say, I do not want people to go through what I had gone through. You know, a diagnosis shouldn't have to be this difficult, you know, and to raise the awareness, even among our medical community, because I'm still, you know, surprised at the amount of diabetes education and nutrition information that are out there in hospitals and you know in other settings so this is why i got connected with diabetes canada working on you know the provincial advocacy and the federal you know the national level you know making you know literally diabetes awareness more um how do you say available so that people know the common signs and how to help people, you know, how to get, uh, you know, things moving. So, um, so uh, sorry, a long, long answer, uh, but he, this is where I am, you know, as you can see. And, um, and the tail end is uh, being diagnosed with type one diabetes, uh, the light bulb moment after six months of depression is connecting food um, to the disease. You know, hey, you know, how we eat, 
our diet really impacts our blood sugar. So to me, that was the, you know, aha moment going forward and say, hey, I can do something, you know, being a chef um, before, you know, you're looking at food before diabetes, I'm looking at food in terms of calories. Now I'm counting carbs, you know, and good carbs and, you know, making that awareness and connecting with us and saying, hey, how we eat really impacts our blood sugar. So let's eat healthily and this is how we move forward to you know for our disease and and so forth so here I am um, you know 16 years I just celebrated my you know uh diversary uh on November 14th and uh it was exciting you know uh we celebrated 100 years of insulin and the gift of life and not too far away where I live in Toronto uh Dr you know Banting and Best they discovered insulin and gave the gift of in a world and to me it was just incredibly poetic for me that day you know it was just incredibly touching because here i am you know benefiting from this you know insulin is what gives me life every day and uh, you know moving forward so i'm, I'm incredibly you know fortunate um, for the diabetes community that i know here in uh, canada uh, in toronto and canada uh, and across the world i keep learning because to me education i think is is key Oh, so, so important. It's always, it breaks my heart, the number of misdiagnosed cases, because even in the medical community, there seems to be like the stereotype of you have to be a certain age or a certain ethnicity, whatever it is. My son was two and he was too young to have it. You, you know, you said it was the ethnicity, your age. Oh, obviously, you know, you don't have it. And then the, the detriment to your health is just... I mean, it's a good thing you brought your, your father and your husband, because I'm sure at that point, you know, having blood sugar levels that high for that long, have so many issues going on with processing and such at that point that you need someone else to help you. And that's, that just should not have been, that's just horrible. And, and Barbara, you know, the funny thing is, um, I didn't know anything about diabetes. My grandmother in India, the, the amazing chef, you know, she had type two diabetes and even then uh, she wasn't having insulin shots every day, the, the doctor would, you know, do visits at home and she would get, uh, you know, like the basal insulin, the slow acting um, every three, four days, you know, that they were sterilized the needle, you know, this is, you know, going back, you know, many years ago in India. And so I really didn't understand what type one was. I kept thinking, hey, you know, maybe if I start taking medication, I'll be cured. So I had no idea. And secondly, after taking the insulin right away at the education center, next day I experienced hypoglycemia. I was raking the leaf. Of course, it was fall. And I could not understand the symptoms, you know, because they didn't cover it because I didn't have diabetes education by this. Can you imagine? And they didn't even tell me and say, hey, you know what? You might have low sugar uh, because you're taking insulin. Um, and so when I called them on Monday, and said, hey, I had low blood sugar. They go, oh, we didn't think you would have low sugar so soon. I'm going like, uh, excuse me? You know, I'm taking, you know, 20 units of low acting, you know, slow acting insulin and then rapid and you're not expecting me to have hyperglycemia when I'm doing activities outside. I mean, this is like, I mean, this is why I really kick butt in terms of advocacy going like, uh-uh, there's a gap here you know there's a huge gap here and we really need to hold people accountable to make sure 
that you know checks and balances in you know in place and making sure that this this doesn't happen to other people so this is where my serious advocacy you know work comes in to make sure that um you know especially people who are on insulin um it's it you know it you know if you are type one and you're taking insulin low blood sugar is key even though you can wear a cgm we have amazing technology but low blood sugar is part of our life you know that's that's what it is and you know i'm hypers uh, you have those days and it's pretty common um but to kind of saying all of this kind of seems uh, a pretty ancient to me i'm just kind of you know i i, I think we need better uh, um uh, how do you say better response from our healthcare uh providers uh, uh, moving forward for sure Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's scary, scary. As a chef, then you find out that you have type one diabetes, you know, you're, you're looking at how do you now kind of handle all of that handle, you know, the people that are telling you that they're the food police, you can't have this, you can't have that. You're understanding that the impact of food having on your blood sugar, you're looking at carbs. How do you handle all that? It's, it's a very good question. You know, um, the, the, it's, even even you know coming back to the to the diet when i was seeing the nurse and the dietitians you know the, um, the education is hey you shouldn't be eating hamburgers you shouldn't be eating french fries you shouldn't be eating you know all of this stuff but um now we know better i i definitely think healthy slow carb uh a lot of fiber really helps you slow down the blood sugar and how we can eat and for sure for me i kind of look at myself as a test subject. So when I eat, um, I experiment, you know, this is what I do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a chef, um, having a lot of, uh, time living in Europe. I follow, um, Mediterranean style diet at home. I'm married to a fourth generation, Scottish, uh, English Canadian. Um, so at home we, we eat a very sort of a modified, uh, Mediterranean style diet, which is all fresh cooking, a lot of whole grains, a balanced meal, uh, portion control, plate method, you know, really counting carbs for me and making that healthy carb count. So a lot of it is when people kind of go, hey, can you eat, you know, uh, a piece of cake or a piece of pie? And I go, well, I'll have to figure out, you know, pie I love, but pie crust doesn't love me and you know it's 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 just the way it works um but it doesn't mean i can't have a smaller piece and then i watch my blood sugar then i have to get really creative with my insulin intake and that's where you know i give insulin sort of like a long you know for three hours four hours and it's you know it's almost like the pizza kind of a deal so a lot of it is trial and error but what i have found is um definitely um, slowing down the carb and eating healthier carb uh, per meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner has helped me uh, stabilize my blood sugar, you know, having even sugar. And so for me, when people come and say, can you eat that? Of course I can, you know, being type one, we can eat anything, you know, carb is not evil, but how we eat, really affects us and how smartly we can eat that carb is key 
So for me, it's, there's no such thing as, you know, taboo food, or you have to have this particular diet, even though when I say that I eat sort of like a Mediterranean style diet, but my food is balanced. So I have a small piece of protein, you know, three ounce between two to three ounce, and it's lean and lots of barley, lots of whole grain. So the idea is lots of salad and vegetables. So the idea is you're slowing it down. You know, you're really slowing it down. And that fiber in the millet or in the barley risotto that I have, um, guess what? It's really slowing the absorption. So when I look at my graph, I kind of go, hey, that really worked. And it's a trial and error, right? Right now I'm working on a cookbook and a lot of it is also trial and error because I really want to show people and say, hey, you know, we can live, you know, normal, healthy life, but we just need to kind of, educate ourselves in terms of the source of the food. You know, we can't eat, you know, the, the, the white breads or the, you know, the, the refined, you know, processed food because processed food is actually, unfortunately, um, plays a havoc on my blood sugar. And I'm sure it does on a lot of type ones because I have found out, for example, I can't eat store-bought cereals. Uh -uh, it just doesn't work. Um, anything from store-bought, even if it says it's got a lot of whole grains, guess what? When you eat it, you know, it's climbing, climbing, and then, you know, it goes down um, because of the, the process. So for me, but it doesn't mean breakfast cereal is out. So for me, but then I cook my own cereal. So I do um, steel cut oats and I add all kinds of nuts to it and then hemp and ground flax and, you know, uh, chia. By the time I'm done with it, it becomes slow carb and so you're just really pulling that carb and you're stretching that and it's got a lot of fiber and nuts and healthy fat so guess what it's just slows down uh my carb so that i i can have you know half a cup of it with a you know a little bit of oat milk or almond milk you know again i'm watching my carb because i'm counting it and then i have a little bit of yogurt and then guess what i'm feeling full and I'm watching my blood sugar and it's beautiful and I'm not having any, you know, hypers. Um, sometimes I will have a hypo because uh, I'm just running around the kitchen and I'm, and I'm doing a lot of work. And then guess what? My blood sugar does come down and I have to be mindful. And then I have to go, Hey, you know what? I need a healthy snack. And so then, you know, grabbing a little bit of all, you know, all, you know, almonds and, you know, there's a lot of, People these days, you know, they jump into keto diet. I don't do keto, but I do everything that I do is, again, it's all about balance because I don't believe that you need to omit a certain type of food from your diet because of, you know, the condition. I believe that we get nutrition from every food that we eat, especially if it's um, definitely plant-based. Um, there's so much nutrition macros and micros in all the food that we eat. So for me, I don't believe that certain food is the way to go. And especially for my body, it works. I couldn't, I tried keto, um, just being curious because it's not something that I wanted to do. Um, I, I, it, I, I wasn't successful. I was hungry. I was tired um, because I wasn't you know, enjoying the food that I was because you had to omit so many things. So, you know, coming back to what I am, I've made peace with myself going, hey, you know what? I love the way I eat, because I eat every food, you know, including, you know, I eat chicken, I eat beef, I eat pork, but everything I have to have 
portion control. You know, I definitely notice a difference between, for example, chicken versus beef because beef's got more fat in it. So then, you know, guess what? That that fat is going to slow slow your or blood sugar down if you're eating some carbs. So you have to be a little bit smart how you're going to eat that steak. But again, it's 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 a process. It's an experiment. So I feel very confident in what I eat, and I'm kind of going like, hey, you know, I don't want to say this, knock on wood. I get to have my chicken eating it too. <laughs> it really is. It is a science experiment. I know my son. He's 24 now, and he's the more and more he gets into his body and health, and he's always been somewhat into all that, but he's becoming more and more conscious of it. And he's currently kind of test running a Dexcom. So he's really seeing where these different things work and he's looking at, yeah, different foods, you know, well, if I have this, I have more energy. If I take out that I have, you know, it's, it's offering me so much more balance. So it absolutely, it is a science experiment, but it sounds like it is so worth it. And you make food look so incredible. I'm lazy in the morning when it comes to breakfast, but looking at like your breakfast oats and that, I'm like, oh, I so have to get myself in gear because your food, you do, you make food just look amazing. Like I just want to sit down and yeah, sit there and and eat with you all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Barbara. You know, um, again, you know, this, this is, this is because of the passion that my grandmother instilled in me. Um, because again, you know, if you go back 16 years ago, you know, I was, I was a cook, I was cooking, I was tasting food. So for me, um, living close to Italy, there's like, um, there's a movement called slow food, meaning everything was slowed down. So nothing was processed of, you know, so having whole food, you know, making use of every ingredient of the things that we eat, you know, um, not, uh, you know, like, how how do you say, um, including fiber. So the idea is to, if we kind of can inject taste into the way we feel, you know, the the, the food we eat, then there's no um, selling we have to do. Because there's a lot of, uh, for example, I do advocacy work, you know, for the Indian community, for the South Asian community here in Toronto. And that is a lot of type two work I do. And as you know, Indian food is incredibly complex and there are so many layers, you know, spices and, you know, and it has a lot of, it has a rich history. And if the food isn't going to be exactly what it is or how they grew up with, people won't change, you know? So they know they have to eat healthily but in the same time, we have to reach people through um, make, you know, the, the food that they grow up with. So, you, you know, that's why I keep coming back and saying, hey, you can't tell somebody and say, you can't eat that because you ate a childhood. Now you have diabetes. Uh-uh, you can't eat that. So for, for me, it's okay. Now I'm going to find a solution for that. Okay. So we're going to figure out, may not be the same ingredient, but we want it to taste good. And how can we, again, slow down that carb or that fat? Okay, maybe we won't have that full fat, but how can we make it? Because if, if the food doesn't taste good, and also if it's not going to, how do you say, work uh, according to giving you the optimal blood sugar, then there is no buy-in. People won't kind of go, hey, you know what? I'll just take the magic pill. Now I'll just keep taking the insulin because there's no incentive for me, right? So the idea is we need to kind of reach people and say, we can have um, 
beat this disease. We can have a healthy long life with type one diabetes, type two, but making these modifications, making these tweaks. So this is where a lot of my um, knowledge comes in to make that food taste good. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, you're going like, wow, I, I'm eating this and watching my blood sugar. Um, and I'll give you an example, you know, for my cookbook, a, few, a couple of days ago, I made a, a barley risotto and completely plant-based. So there was no um, even dairy in it. You know, there is, because for risotto, it requires butter and parmesan. So everything going plant-based, I used um, butternut squash as a puree and, and guess what? It was unbelievably good. And same thing I did for like a mac and cheese and it's all going to come in my cookbook. And what I'm trying to say is I, I didn't want to tell my family this because they love, you know, cheesiest macaroni and cheese and that creamy risotto. And, and I gave it to them and they were going like, oh my God, um, I can eat a bowl of this. You mean to tell me there's like no dairy in it? And I said, no, there's no cheese in it. But the look and the smell and the taste was so good. And and the proof was in the pudding because when I looked at my uh, CGM all night, you know, I get up a couple of times to go to the bathroom. My blood sugar is like this. And then I get up in the morning, 5.2. And I'm going like, I wouldn't have that if I had the regular risotto. I wouldn't have that if I had the regular macaroni and cheese because you know what's going to happen, right? And you'll be riding your blood sugar because of all that carb, all that fat. You know, it's just like, it's like lasagna and pizza. It's, it's a mystery, right? But my blood sugar was just incredible. So I know this is totally possible for us. It's totally possible for us to eat delicious, absolutely wonderful food without having to sit there and say, hey, you know what? You know, almost it's like, you know, like I said, it's decoding it. Well, food is, as you said, you know, that, that it's that comfort is, you know, the things that you had when you were a child, it's, you know, the, the memories you say with your grandmother, food is so important to us. And when we have things like, you know, you have a diagnosis of diabetes, so you now have to be concerned with the food and so many other things you have, there's so much emotion going on anyway. And then that comfort that you should have or normally would have in your food and you don't have it it's yeah, this is, this is fabulous. And I really want that mac and cheese I, I <laughs> because I have a dairy issue and I have celiacs. So there's no such thing as good cheese. It was very depressing and, and overwhelming because you feel like, like there's just no food that I can eat, you know, and the idea of actually having food that's tasty and lovely again, and that comfort. Oh. Yeah. And, and speaking about celiac, I um, the, the, the the pasta that I used was like a cauliflower pasta. So it was quinoa cauliflower pasta. So there you go. So it was gluten-free, dairy-free, all those free, free, free. So by the time I was eating it, I was eating a bowl full and I'm going like, oh my God, um, do we, should we even go back to how we used to make before? Because for me, I was going like, hey, you know, this is you know, this is what I mean, you know, one recipe at a time, like, hey, we're making changes. And Barbara, the, 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 the thing that I worry about is, um, it's not only about my health, and it's my family's health. 
because then that's the next argument is when people have diabetes, um, are they cooking a separate meal for themselves and how's the family doing? And a lot of times what I hear is people kind of go like, hey, you know, I have to eat this because of, you know, diabetes, but then my family eats it. I'm looking at it and I'm getting hungry. Well, there you go. We're cooking for the whole family. And it's about prevention as well, because I'm kind of looking at it and going like, hey, you know, my husband can probably, you know, do without the dairy because he's already lactose intolerant. But, you know, for, you know, heart health and for my daughter is also prevention, you know. And so the idea is we're not only doing that for ourselves, but it's like doing for the family and it's about the prevention. So it's kind of like I kind of call it my prescription going forward is for the family. I think it's really important in some ways. And uh, I didn't realize I was going to say this. It might sound like a cliche. Um, yeah, I, I'm really happy with I am what I eat. <laughs> Thing, you know what I mean? It's really, it, it really translates into that, you know, the, the, the good things you put inside, you really see the result. I say having to, to make the transition myself. And I mean, I've always tried to have a healthy diet for my family. And, you know, especially when my son was younger and well, all of us, I mean, we have all sorts of other health issues that are underlying. I have heart issues and all that. So it's always been very, very important, but I find before when I could eat a little bit more that you, if you ate, if I ate some of those processed foods or I went to say had McDonald's and had all that, I felt horrible afterwards. And now that I don't have any of it, I don't really miss that crappy feeling, but you know, it was the comfort because you know, that's what you, when you were younger, maybe you got to go to McDonald's or go wherever and yeah, that, that comfort section, but you don't really feel better. And to be able to have incredible foods that smell and taste, you know, have that, that same, evoke those same emotional responses, those same memories and feel so much better. And know, as you said, that you're fueling your body, you're doing so much better for your body. If you're living with diabetes, you're stabilizing, you're going to have stable blood sugars. That's just such a win-win. Absolutely. And, and, and I think you nailed it because end of the day, um, we, we have to really kind of, it's not about saying, you know, it's something is taboo, but the idea is how can I even eat something better than what I could, you know, McDonald's or whatever, making tiny bit of efforts and tweaks. And all of a sudden you're kind of going like, hey, man, this, this fried chicken that's been done in the oven, you know, or if I are, but having all these ingredients, I can still have it without having to go and, uh, you know, do, do, something that's outside that it's got you know that's going to give you uh artery clogging you know, ldls and that's what we have to worry about because um you know like uh, my husband's family that there's cholesterol runs in their family so i have to be really mindful of that and i have diabetes and there's a lot of sister disease that i kind of lurks around so i have to kind of like think of it as hey it's prevention it's just not mindlessly eating and saying okay, I'll just take what I have to do now and I'll worry about if something comes later. If the idea is about putting things in place so that we do not have to worry about that. Because, you know, um, you know one of the, the nicest thing um, my endo had told me, you know, is that we need to have a bucket list. All the amazing things that we want to do in our life and put it everywhere in the house, you know? And I see that sometimes as a motivator. Um, that I want to do and I want to see. And if I'm not well, I won't be able to do them, you know? 
And two things that I have is uh, Kilimanjaro is one uh, to hike that. Yep. Uh, my husband had already done it when he had, you know, he went backpacking. Um, and so for me, that's in that list. So I'm going like, hey, you know, I'm, uh, we were supposed to go to a second tallest mountain in Africa this year to go, and then go see the gorillas. And of course, you know, pandemic had different ideas, but that would have needed vigorous training. But guess what? It's not only the vigorous training, but I need to be healthy, you know. I need to be healthy in order for me to do that, those bucket lists. So for me, those bucket lists really matter. So I think huge thing from, from, for me going forward is the motivation. You know, it's just not only the food, but that motivation to wanting to do this. I mean, I want to be, you know, I think there was a uh, powerful commercial a few years ago. There was a picture of somebody in their 70s, uh, you know, on a bed, you know, connected to tubes and there would be the same person in a bicycle and hiking. And I'm going like, I want to be that person because um, that's where I am. Because, you know, even, even as much as knee, you know, knee joints and hip joints and all of that, I'm going like, hey, you know what? I don't want to have knee surgery, hip surgery. What can I do? How can I beat that? You know what I mean? And those are all important because, you know, it's not diabetes. But all of that needs to be in place, which means we need to get up and move. You know, I need to like literally put lube in that joint so that joints are functioning and I can get my exercise. And I know the motivation is getting up and moving. I also have amazing blood sugars. Um, I don't know if you know, but I did the Camino Santiago walk across Northern Spain in oh, wow. uh, 2014. And I walked thousand kilometers across. And that's before CGM. And um, I don't know if you know Sebastian Sesbo, he's my mentor. Um, he's, I talked to him and I say, hey, Sebastian, you've done all these, you've done Mount Everest and you've done all of this. What can I do? And his biggest advice is, you know, start walking every day and figure out your basal rates. And then once you start training and walking, you know, you'll be on autopilot. I started to walk five kilometers a day and then eventually walked about 36 kilometers a day. And I did it for four days in a row to see how my body could take it and my blood sugar could take it. And guess what? I could do it. And, you know, yeah. Um, and, and, and like Sebastian said, when I went to Spain and I was walking, some days I'll be walking 34, some day, you know, 28, but average could be, you know, but any given day it could be 35 because if you don't get into a, you know, albergue, you might be walking to the next village kind of thing. And Sebastian was right. Um, I was on autopilot, nothing exciting happened, no episodes. I mean, incredible because of testing, 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 eating, balance. And even sometimes I'll tell you eating that Spanish bocadillas, you know, the white bread with the beautiful, amazing ham and cheese guess what? I was burning it off. My blood sugar, you know, was just fabulous. And I wasn't worrying about it. And I said, you know what, I'll worry about, you know, the super healthy food when I get back, but I'm just going to eat, I'm going to fuel my body. But of course, I watched what I was eating. And not a single episode, you know, uh, and I was just blown away. And I'm going like, we, we have the power to do it. You know, we just need to kind of, 
push herself. And I was uh, quite amazed uh, that I could do it because I was just going to say, Barbara, I'm, I, I'm just a cook. I'm, I'm, I'm not an athlete. <laughs> you know, people do marathons and all of that. And I was a geek. Remember, I was an IT geek. So I was not a fitness person. And, and um, I was kind of going like, oh, I guess I can do something. You know, I just wanted to show that, hey, you know what, anybody that's sedentary can do that. That's, that's amazing. That's beyond sedentary. That's like, just, yeah, I like to walk and I enjoy that, but that, I mean, it had to have been an amazing experience. Yeah. And, and thank you because I, again, I wanted to show that, you know, uh, for me showing that person with type one can do anything. And that's definitely something Sebastian instilled because of what, what I see him you know doing the, the the Everest I'm going like okay if he's done the Everest I can do the you know the the Camino the thousand clicks but again it took somebody like me who was really not a runner because I tried running it just didn't work for me but I love walking and this is what really uh, gave me you know to become a long distance walker so for me when I need to relax from cooking I, I just get up and walk and, uh, you know, if the bus is not here from the subway, I just say, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to walk. And it's six kilometers home. And I just do it in a, in a drop of a heartbeat, you know, but before I would have never thought about it. Right. So again, it's one of those things, mind over matter. And for me, um, again, come thinking about the bucket list is important. So tell me a bit more about your cookbook. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's uh, in work in progress. Uh, so this is what I'm doing a lot uh, every day, uh, developing recipes and shooting photos. And you've probably seen some. Um, I'm writing two cookbooks and because I have enough material for it. So, but it'll be one behind the other. So the first cookbook is going to be sort of the book for the, the continental um, because I've done a lot of traveling. So that's going to sort of highlight a lot of the food from my travels. Uh, a lot of it sort of the Mediterranean centric, but I've gone a lot of places in Asia as well. So that book is going to focus on, um, again, you know, it's, it's specifically for people with diabetes, type one, type two. So it's going to have a lot of recipes that have been modified. So the recipes you'll recognize and some you may not, but the idea is it's going to focus a lot of on having like a full making use of whole food. And, and there's gonna be areas of plant-based, uh, for some for people with gluten allergy. So it's gonna focus a lot on that. And of course, it's gonna have the nutritional analysis done for every recipe. So then people will be able to kind of figure out it, how much carb it has. And so they can take uh, insulin accordingly. And it's gonna be, it's gonna have a lot of menus as well. So putting things together, a lot of the, the ways that I cook um, is again, we eat with our eyes, but also we eat with our nose because if it's got to smell good. And then the third is the taste, right? So there's a lot of that in terms of flavoring food. So um, there's going to be all kinds of sort of plant-based sauces like, you know, chimichurri with your meat and your grilled vegetables. So there's going to be a lot of kind of things kind of come together. And um, I'm really excited. Um, I'm hoping it'll be ready in, in spring. So it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited. Um, uh, yeah. So my family gets to eat a variety of food and they're like, oh, I'm like, oh my God, what do you have today? 
And uh, I feel good because uh, it's not just watching them, but for me to kind of feel, like I said, my, my, my pump, you know, when I look at the graph and I'm going like, okay, that's, that's done. That's excellent. So. Oh, that sounds, yeah. I can't wait. I say that the whole mac and cheese and so many of the other things that I've seen, I'll definitely yeah, be like right at the front of the line for that cookbook. It just sounds just too tasty to miss at all. And I love the Thanks. idea of actual menus because, you know, it always looks so good. And if I could actually just make everything that looks fabulous, it would be excellent. And to yeah. know that I'm going to enjoy the taste. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, th this is it because you know, menu planning is big deal for me. Like when I run my cooking school, the idea is how to take things and have them work together. So menu planning in terms of taking something and put adding things together. So it's always like, hey, you can try this and this combination and this and this combination. As long as we're balancing our macros, then at the end of the day, it, it works well. So the, the way that I have, I'm going to be designing the, the book is going to be, you can mix and match things and put the, the, the meals together and it's going to work. So the whole idea is being really mindful because that's the way I eat because at the end of the day, I have to, you know, I stick to sort of like a plate method and balancing my proteins, carbs, and fat. So for me, um, I think of it myself, not only being a cook, but I'm a patient. Hey, how will I want to eat? And if somebody was walking through this, with me so that's the way i'm kind of designing it so that it's easy because when you go to a restaurant and you're looking at the food and going like i have no idea and so i you have to really make it easier so that it's it's it you know it's easier for people to access all of the various recipes so where else can people find you where can they find you so that they can keep track for when your cookbook comes out Thank you. Um, uh, website sivaswaminathan.com, my first name, last name.com is my blog site. Um, I'm coming up with a, a new uh, website that combines my cooking school and my blog uh, end of January. Uh, right now, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a dated one. So sivaswaminathan.com is uh, there's a contact page and that will have my email address. Um, and uh, I'm also on social media, Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, my handle is at Shea C-H-E-Z-S-I-V-A. So people can um, message me. They can find me there. They can message me. I am pretty good um, with uh, people you know, directly messaging me or emailing me or whatever. And if they have any inquiry, absolutely, they can reach me. And of course, my once my book is out, it'll be on my website and they can get it through there. And I'm going to be actually publishing it through Amazon because it's going to be self-published. So, yeah. And uh, I wanted that flexibility. So it'll be available on Amazon as well. So I'll let, definitely let you know. And it'll be definitely in my website as well. Um, and they can get it through my website or Amazon for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, it's an it's a exciting journey for me. I mean, I've been wanting to do this for so many years. And finally, you know, even the pandemic, I could have done it. But again, you know, we were all kind of adjusting to a new norm. So for me, this, this uh, 2022 is going to be my year um, because there's been so much growth as well um, in terms of, what I want to do. And, uh, so. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time and say your insight into food and how you make food just look 
wonderful again. So we don't have to be deprived. We can just enjoy and feel that love for food. Cause I say there's just so much emotion around food that it's, we need to have that. I, I totally agree with you, Barbara. I think uh, the, a lot of the, the questions that I get when I do um, some of the, the advocacy work I do in Toronto and we run exposed, constantly people coming up and saying, hey, my son was diagnosed with diabetes and they're really upset and sad and they kind of feel like they have to give up something and say, hey, you know, you don't have to. Diabetes isn't about symptoms. You know, diabetes is actually a manageable disease. You know, not, it's not with the other ones. So medication part is a given, but diet and other stuff we can do. And it's such a, um, I, I think diabetes diet is probably one of the most healthiest diets. So it's, it's absolute, it's, it actually makes us even sort of pay attention to even what we eat more. If we don't have diabetes, maybe we may not be as healthy as we are. So that's how I, I respond to people. So there you go. That was the amazing Siva Swaminathan. Oh my goodness. She is such a joy. She really does just bring food to life. It's just, oh, I say she makes you hungry. What can I say? She is fabulous to listen to as a person who has multiple food allergies myself and trying to make sure that my son has had great food and dietary choices and sharing with them now that he's an adult. Siva just, she makes food heavenly again. She makes you want to eat better knowing that it's going to taste so much better than maybe the junk that you might have grabbed instead. She truly, truly makes food pleasurable and enticing. And I cannot wait until her cookbook comes out. But until that time, I invite you to follow her on Twitter or Instagram at Siva. So that is C-H-E-Z-S-I-V-A on both Twitter and Instagram. And as Siva mentioned, you can also follow her on her website at Siva Swaminathan. So S I V a S W A M I N A T H A N dot com. And I know that you're going to enjoy her food as much as I do. Now I have to run and find her macaroni recipe on Instagram. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope that this episode has been helpful to you, that you've enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed sharing it with you. If you did like today's episode, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or share it with a friend or someone who might need to hear this information as well. As always, please remember that your diabetes may vary, so be kind to yourself. And until next time, wishing you all great blood sugar levels. <music> <laughs>